welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Overcoming Life's Obstacles. If you're like me, you have obstacles to overcome, and the promises of God are to the overcomer. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, that you won the, the victory at Calvary for us. The battle's already been won. We just need to enter into it and walk in repentance uh, before you, Lord. And uh, anyway, I appreciate you listening in. We, we are the first and the third Tuesdays of each month uh, from 6 to 8 p.m., and we appreciate you listening in. We hope you'll invite others to listen. And uh, I'm, I have Abiding Life Ministries, and it's in Lindale, Texas, Anyway, our address is Post Office Box 1141, Lindell, Texas, 75771. And if you would like prayer at the end of the teaching, if you'll call in to 646-595-4784, and don't forget to press 1, and I'll be happy to pray for you. You can go to my website at jerrymcgee.com. That's all uh, lowercase, it's G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E, and that'll take you to my website. And uh, at the end of the program, I'll tell you where I'm going to be and invite you to come to a, my meeting in Dallas if you're in that area. But uh, tonight I want to teach on a religious spirit, <laughs> and uh, as I was telling the host of this program, I started to cancel because I developed kind of a hoarseness this morning and kind of a little cough so uh, it's a part of God's discipline and I thank God that he disciplines every son whom he loves the Bible says whoever loves discipline loves his own soul so thank you Jesus anyway the title of this message tonight or today or if whenever you're listening is on a religious spirit and you know I want to tell you the Pharisees are still around a person that has a religious spirit really has a Pharisee spirit you know, you can be a you can be a born again believer and still have a religious spirit because we all have areas of our life where we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But a, but this is to expose a religious spirit, uh, and hopefully, God will set you free. A lot of times, when you grow up and your parents are perfectionistic and they uh, teach you to be a performer, and the only way you can receive love is to perform for it. Then we get saved and we think that, that God wants us to perform for him. But God really only requires one thing. He's the potter and we're the clay. It's for us to yield our junky clay that's full of junk to the potter. And it's the potter's job to fashion the clay, mold the clay, uh, fire the clay, shape the clay, to be everything that he created us to be before the foundations of the world. And so as we stay on the potter's wheel, the, the clay only has one thing to do, and that's to yield to the potter. And that means that's really a picture of being under God's control. But a person with a religious spirit, they think they have to do it themselves. They are self-righteous people. They base everything uh, they base everything on what they can do to please God versus uh, what he did for us at Calvary. So a person with a religious spirit or a Pharisee spirit is a person that has to feels like he has to turn the potter's wheel for whatever reason. So basically, um, that's a picture of us walking in the spirit. It's a picture of giving up your life that you might find it. It's a picture of arming yourself with the same purpose that is Christ suffered in the flesh. So you suffer in the flesh, for in suffering, sin loses its power. And so it's really a picture of us letting go 
and letting Jesus live his life through us because Christ in us is the hope of glory. And as we die to ourselves and we let the resurrected Christ come through our life, our life produces the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. But a person with a Pharisee or religious spirit, whether it's whether they're willfully doing this or they're subtly doing this, they're in rebellion because they're trying to do it themselves. You know, the Bible says that for by grace are we saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, lest any man should boast. And so a person who has a Pharisee or a self-righteous spirit or a person, you know, they justify themselves. Uh, self-justification is also tied in with the religious spirit. But they base what they do and and their achievements on what they've done instead of what Christ did. And they're very self-righteous. You know, I remember a time in my life when, uh, and I came out of, uh, I had a lot of grandfather, a couple grandfathers or three grandfathers, a grandfather and two great grandfathers that were Baptist preachers. And so there was a religious spirit. I really saw coming down the bloodline. I was genuinely born again, but because I was disciplined, you know, I thought I had to read my Bible a day and I had to go to church and I had to, uh, you know, tithe and give and have the gifts of the Spirit and all of this stuff. And because I was very disciplined, I I would do all of those holy things. And those were good things to do. God wants us to do those things, but I was doing them for the wrong reason. I was doing them to try to earn my righteousness. And so on the day I did all my holy list, I checked everything off. You know, I was self-righteous, and I knew I was self-righteous, but I didn't know why. And um, on the days I didn't do my holy list, I felt like a worm because I felt like, you know, God, you know, had forsaken me. My whole day didn't go uh, right. And, of course, it doesn't go right anyway if you don't pray. You don't have a good day. At least I don't. If I don't spend time with God, it seems like that my whole day doesn't go right. But anyway, I uh, read, uh, I listened to a, a tape called, and some of you might have heard it, called Turkeys and Eagles. It was by uh, a man out in Florida, Peter Lord. And basically, in that teaching, he said, if you could, if you could, ju- if you could gauge yourself from one to ten, how righteous would you say you are? And because I was very disciplined, I said, you know, I'm a ten. See how sick that is. But, you know, even if I'd have said I was a one, I still would have been self-righteous because I'd be basing my righteousness on what I did versus on what Christ did at Calvary. You see what I'm trying to say? And I can say God set me free about, oh, goodness, probably over 30 years ago from from having um, a self-righteousness. And, of course, our deliverance is always a process. Sanctification takes a lifetime. We're all a work in progress. A person with a religious spirit feels like they have to earn their righteousness through what they do. And they try to uh, put that on everybody else. And that because they are, they're so self-righteous in what they do, they judge and criticize everyone else. It's like, I can't believe so-and-so is not doing this. I can't believe so-and-so is not doing that. I can't believe why they don't go to church, why they don't read their Bible, why they don't do this. And basically, you know, when we do that, we are taking upon ourselves the glory that's only due to our, our Savior. And so religion can be defined as 
any belief and reverence for God or some other supernatural power or a false god that is recognized as the creator and our ruler of the universe. And, you know, Satanism is a religion. Buddhism is a religion. That doesn't mean it's good just because it's a religion. To have a religious spirit is to have an organized system of belief and doctrine, which is a form of true religion, but it denies the power thereof. It, it is a doctrine of demons. And so denying the power of God means you know, I used to think when it says they have a form of religion, I think it is in First uh, Timothy, they have a form of religion, but they deny the power of it. I used to think it meant that they denied signs and wonders and miracles. But it means, if you look it up in the Greek, it means the, the power inherent in godly living. It means repentance. And so First uh, First Timothy 6, 3 says, if anyone advocates a different doctrine, and does not agree with the sound words of Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming us to godliness. So true religion will conform you to godliness because you're working out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's because you continue to line your life up with the word of God. But these people who have a different doctrine, it's a, it, it's a different doctrine, and it's a, another Jesus, he does not agree with the sound words, those of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, Jesus' message was repent and with the doctrine conforming to godliness. He is conceited and understands nothing but has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words which, uh, which of which arise envy and strife, abusive language, evil suspicions. You know, James says where there's contention and strife, there's every evil work. First uh, Timothy six five says, and constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. In other words, a lot of times people are in it for the money. And if you're truly in it for Jesus, it's been my experience that there's there's no money in it. And if if that's our motive, we're not really wanting to serve God. We're loving man and money. More than we love God. First Timothy 6, 6 says, But godliness certainly is, actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. You know, when I first got a hold of this scripture back in about 1987, I thought, you know, I'm not contented. And contentment comes from focusing your eyes on Jesus. You know, in Isaiah 26, he says, I will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed upon him because you're trusting in him. So godliness is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. If I don't know this contentment, my godliness is worth nothing. It's just a a system of whatever, but it's not worth anything. In other words, if there's no contentment, then something's amiss in our lives. And I I can praise God and tell you today, in 2018, I'm totally contented. I remember a time when I would go through a mall and I'd want everything I saw. And now I can go through a mall. In fact, I haven't been to a mall probably in a year or so. I can go through a mall and not see one thing that I would want to have. And I thank God that is a work of his grace. That is deliverance. God, he can deliver us from everything that's working in our lives, everything that is messed up, crooked, and needs straightened. He can do it. But we have to stay on the potter's wheel. You know, it's the potter's job 
<coughs> to fashion me, mold me, make me. And, you know, in the olden days when they would dig out clay from the ground, it'd have sticks and rocks and leaves in it. And so our clay is full of junk. It, it, God's not telling us to take the junk out. He's saying, I'm the potter, you're the clay. You just yield to me and I take out the junk. And that's what he does. If you just stay on the potter's wheel, a picture of letting him be uh, the controller of your life, you just stay on the potter's wheel through walking in obedience to the Lord. And, you know, um, if I say obedience immediately, you, you think I have to turn the potter's wheel. But I like to say submit or surrender. Like if the police are arresting you, uh, you just he'd say put your hands up and you do what he says. That's what I'm talking about. <clears throat> to, to stay submitted to the lordship of Jesus, and so um, it's just to stay under God's authority, stay obedient to Him. And a person's uh, religion can range from worship of the one and true living God. Uh, to the worship of Satan or any false god or just basically worship in yourself. So a person with a religious spirit has a form of religion, but he denies the power, which is the power inherent in godly living. It's the power of repentance. It says in Acts, I believe it's Acts chapter 5, that when we repent, times of refreshment come in the presence of the Lord. James one twenty six says, if anyone thinks himself to be religious, and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. And so, you know, our mouth reveals what's down in our heart. And I want to say this, and if you're a blabbermouth and you're a person that can never shuts up, uh, you, need to, you need to repent because uh, God says, where there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. And if you think you're religious and you don't bridle your tongue, you deceive your, your heart. Um, and your religion is worthless. Uh, James one twenty seven tells us what pure religion is. The pure and undefiled religion in the sight of, of our God and Father is to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep yourself unstained from the world. And that's pure religion. You know, the Pharisees uh, didn't care for people. In fact, they even rejected Jesus. They did not believe he was the Messiah. And they rejected him. But God's saying pure religion and undefiled religion in the sight of God the Father is to visit orphans and widows in their distress. The Pharisees and religious people will keep you in distress because they put expectations on you that you can never achieve. And we all have these kind of people in our lives. I have a person in my life that I can uh, be around them very much, and they're so negative that within about 10 minutes, I could almost get depressed just listening to their negativity. And negativity is not faith. And a lot of times these types of people, they just need deliverance, but yet they maybe don't receive deliverance or don't think they need deliverance. A person with a religious spirit can be devout in a godly or an ungodly way. They can be scrupulously faithful in their ideas of what they think is right and wrong. Uh, and when the, but when the believe, but the believer's plumb line is the Bible, not what I think, not what you think, but what God thinks about situations. They can be a member of the church or they can even be you. What comes to, uh, when it comes to repentance and matters of healing and deliverance and sanctification, 
um, they're not teachable. And this is why Jesus said that he came, he didn't come for the those that were wise and intelligent, religious in their own eyes. He came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You know, sometimes the hardest people to talk to are people uh, in the church, unfortunately. Uh, people that come sometimes to to uh, some of my customers, for example, the ones God sends the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And I've, I've lived people to the Lord right in my driveway. And so Jesus said, you know, basically don't waste your time on religious people because they won't receive, but uh, come give your heart to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. A born again believer can have a Pharisee, a religious spirit or Pharisee spirit. I've already shared that. Um, a person that has been born again can manifest the characteristics of a Pharisee. It's been estimated by um, Leonard Ravenhill and Howard Pittman. Howard Pittman says that probably 90% of church members are lost. Leonard Ravenhill says 95% of church members are lost. And so if that's the case, then that means 90 to 95% of church members just have a religious spirit. They're only interested in the outward appearance. And Jesus didn't come for the wise and intelligent, but he said, I've come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, Jesus said to the 12 disciples he sent out, after instructing them, saying, do not go the way of the Gentiles and do not enter in any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead. Now, you know, you can raise the dead by leading somebody to the Lord because God transfers people from to life through salvation experience. But not many of us have raised the dead physically. And I believe that before the end of the age, before Jesus comes back, I believe we will be raising the dead. But it's not God's fault that we're not raising the dead. It's because we don't get it. There's areas that we don't understand or get it. And maybe God couldn't entrust us with it at this point in our life. But he said, uh, heal the sick, raise the, the dead, <clears throat> cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you'll receive, freely you give. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts. And that's another reason why we shouldn't charge for what God does. Now, you know, it takes love offerings to, to bless the ministry. This this precious lady, Dorothy Carruthers, that's hosting this program, she does this free of charge from, for uh, other ministers and myself to preach the gospel over her blog talk radio. And I appreciate her. But, you know, it takes it takes money to pay a secretary. It takes money to pay the light bill. It takes money to do those things. And I'm not talking about love offerings, but I'm talking about ch- making a charge. You know, I know deliverance ministers that, you know, maybe they charge $300 or $200 for you to come and have them minister to you. And I just feel like that God doesn't want us to do that because he's the one that does the work. And of course, a lot of times it's work spending time with people, but you know, that's God's job to meet our needs. And so a person with a religious full of pride, you know, self-righteousness, self-justification. I know a particular girl that uh, she just stole somebody's credit card and she wanted to justify why she did it. 
Uh, and so a person with a religious spirit, he's full of pride. He's full of criticism. He's full of judgmentalness. He's full of self-righteousness. Basically, he just lives for himself. Luke 18, 9, and this is talking about the pride of the Pharisee. And he also told this parable, Jesus told this parable to, to certain ones who trusted in themselves. And so a person who has a religious spirit is trusting in themselves because they're trusting in themselves to achieve whatever righteousness they think they have. And that's why they can't take you, um, they can't take confrontation. And Jesus said, don't throw your pearls before swine. But he says they trust. He said, he said this to certain ones who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. So a person that's full of pride, self-righteousness, uh, feeling like he's earning his own righteousness by what he does. He views others with, you know, I remember when I used to ha- when I used to be so self-righteous, if somebody wasn't praying every morning, I would judge them because they weren't praying and doing what I did and how sick that is. So, Lord, thank you for forgiving me and delivering me. Luke 18.10 says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax gatherer. Now, the tax gatherers were hated people. It said in Luke uh, 18.11, the Pharisee stood and was praying thus to himself. He, his prayers were not even getting up off the ground. He was praying to himself. Oh, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, um, adulterers, and even like this tax gatherer. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. So he did some good things, but he did it because he thought he was so good. But the tax gatherer, standing some distance away, was not even willing to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So the question I want to ask you, is that your attitude of the Pharisee or the the attitude of the publican? I tell you, the more I live for God, the more I go on him. The more it's God have mercy upon me, a sinner. Where in earlier years, I thought maybe I had done him a favor. Oh, God, have mercy on me. Luke 18, 14. I tell you, this man went out down to his house justified rather than the other. In other words, the tax gatherer who was so humble he couldn't even lift his eyes to heaven, who said, God have mercy upon me, a sinner. He went away justified, but the Pharisee was not justified. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, but he who humbles himself shall be exalted. In Second Timothy 3, 1, it says, But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times would come. Would you say difficult times are here? My goodness, just to watch the news and to watch the, the ignorance of people. And they just, they just need Jesus. But it's like the world is mentally ill. And if we're not mentally ill, it's because God's had mercy upon us. And that's not to criticize the mentally ill. But listen, if you're mentally ill or you've been diagnosed to be mentally ill, guess what? Jesus wants to heal you and deliver you. You don't have to be mentally ill. Second Timothy 3, 2 says, For men will be lovers of self. And if, if this fits you, re, be repenting as I read it. 
lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedience to parents. You know, there's people that have no regard for um, mothers, fathers, grandmothers, grandfathers. It's almost like they have such a disdain for parents, and they fit into this category. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable. In other words, you can't even fix it with them because they won't forgive. Malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of Christ, of God, holding to a form of godliness. In other words, they look religious, but they deny the power and avoid such men as these. And you could say when it says men, it's meaning women too. Second Timothy 3, 7 says they're always learning, but they never are able to come to the knowledge of the truth. In other words, they don't get it. The reason they don't come to the knowledge of the truth is because God says, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So these people don't get free by the truth because they reject truth, and so they're always learning. In other words, they're always hearing. Maybe they sit in church all the time. They're always learning, but they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They have another gospel and another Jesus. They just don't get it. And if you get it, thank God you get it. It's because he let you get it and not because you're so hot. Uh, We can religiously do anything. It's something that we do without fail. You know, you can religiously brush your teeth, use dental floss. I've used dental floss since I was 25 years old and I'm almost 80. You can, And that's a good thing to do. You can religiously brush your teeth, take a shower, take a bath, eat healthy, run, walk, take walks, exercise. Um, you can um, uh, clean your house, uh, mow your grass, practice. Uh, listen to music, worship music, uh, play sports, take care of your children. All those are good things to do. But the problem comes in is when we make these things idols and we love these things more than we love God. I know one mother, uh, I heard one mother say, <clears throat> you know, in the last days when it comes down to, you know, the Antichrist trying to make us take the mark of the beast, if we want to buy or sell, we can't buy or sell unless we take the mark of the beast. I heard her say, if if it came down to, t- to that I had to take the mark of the beast to buy and sell, I would do that rather than see my children go hungry. Now, she, in other words, she was basically saying, I would go to hell before we let my children go without food. She loved her children more than she loved God. Praise God that in her later years, uh, she, I believe she repented. Another example of someone who did this was Eli in the Bible in 1 Samuel 1.3. It says, now this, now this man would go from his city early to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at, Shil- at Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hopni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord there. Now Eli was very old. And he heard all that his sons were doing to Israel and how they were laying with the women who served at the doorway of the tent of meeting. In other words, these these men were fornicating. And therefore, he knew what they were doing, but he never corrected them. 
he loved his kids more than he loved God. And therefore, I have sworn to the, and God says, therefore, I've sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until morning. In other words, that God had given him a vision. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, but Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. And it came about that when he, when he mentioned, when Eli heard about the Ark of the Covenant, Ark of God being mentioned, that Eli fell off his feet backwards and broke his, uh, beside the gate, and he broke his neck and died. For he was old and heavy. Thus he judged Israel for 40 years. And one of his daughter-in-laws was pregnant, and I believe she named him Ichabod, meaning that the glory of the Lord has departed from this house. And so parents don't compromise because whenever you make gods out of your children, they're going to always turn on you. In fact, if you make anybody a god, they'll always turn on you. As Christians, we have to be led totally by the Holy Spirit and empowered by his Holy Spirit. And we're commanded in the word of God to walk in the spirit and will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And to do that means to stay on the potter's wheel, to stay yielded to God the potter. It means to give up your life that you might find it. It means to present your body to God as a living sacrifice. Those are just some of the words for walking in the spirit. As I die to myself, I let the resurrected life of the Lord Jesus come through. And that's how I walk in the spirit. Not turning the potter's wheel, not trying to fix myself, but just stay yielded. And as we stay yielded, faith of staying yielded purifies our soul. And everything is directed in our lives by our relationship to God the Father, uh, through an intimate relationship with him and through his Holy Spirit. And what religious peoples do is to be led contrary to the Holy Spirit because they're led after their flesh. God says if you're led after the flesh, you'll die. And many people are deceived because they think that uh, that just having religious activity or religious uh, a religious position, that's the same thing as walking in the spirit, and it isn't. The Pharisees had evil desires that were hidden by their presenting to be they were pre- pretending to be pious. In other words, they were they were trying to pretend to people that they were so holy. In Matthew twenty three one. Then Jesus said to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. In other words, they wanted to sit where only Moses was to sit. They wanted a chair that wasn't really theirs. Therefore, all that they tell you to do, observe, but do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. In other words, do and observe what they say because what they are telling you to do is right. But don't do what they do because they say one thing and they do another. They're hypocrites. Verse 4. And they tie heavy loads and lay them on men's shoulders. And if you are having these Pharisees, religious spirits in your life, uh, religious people in your life, say you don't have a religious spirit, but you have people in your life that have a religious spirit, and they're putting burdens on your shoulders. This could be one of the roots to neck problems, shoulder problems. Because the Pharisees put yokes on people. You know, you can, there's physical yokes you can see, but 
you can have a yoke on, on your neck or a burden on your back and you can't see it with the physical eyes. But nevertheless, you can feel the burden, but you can't see it with the human eye. So it says that they tie heavy loads and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to even lift so much as a little finger to help. I remember years ago, I ministered to somebody that had a little finger problem, and it went back to a religious spirit. And when they repented, the, their finger was healed. It says, but they do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden their phylacteries, tassels of their garments. In other words, they dress up the outside, but they don't do anything with the inside. Verse 6, and they love the place of honor at banquets and chief seats in the synagogue. In other words, they want to be honored. They love the chief seats. And they love the respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi. They're full of their self. But do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher. And the Bible says that he's your teacher. When you wear his yoke, you'll learn from him, it says in Matthew 11. And you are all, and you're all brothers. They want to be honored above God. And do not call anyone on your earth father. For one is your father. He who's in heaven, the father who's in heaven. And do not be called leaders, for there is one who's your leader, that is Christ. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. And I want to go back to this where it says, and one is your leader, that's Christ. Does the Bible say in John 1, 1, that in the beginning was the word, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us? Jesus Christ is the word of God. So as you align your life with the word of God, you're aligning yourself with the king of kings. And you're being led by the spirit. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. You know, we kind of, a person with a Pharisee spirit or a religious spirit, they want you to serve them. And whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. So they were people that were constantly exalting themselves above God. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from men. For you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Because of their false teaching, because of their legalism, because of their teaching, uh, they didn't enter heaven, and they kept other people out by giving them their own doctrines. In fact, the Bible talks about taking their blood. Uh, you know, there are scriptures that talk about how we shed the blood of the righteous, and teachers that don't teach the word of God, they're really shedding their blood because they're not, they're not helping people go to heaven. They're really causing people to go to hell by their false doctrines. It says in Luke uh, chapter 6, verse 47, I believe it says, after a man is fully trained, he becomes like his teacher. So if you're being taught by a Pharisee or a religious person that has no love in him, then he's really taking you down the wrong road. The Bible says when the blind lead the blind, they all fall in the ditch. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, and I'm in verse 14. Hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses, 
even while for a pretense you make long prayers, therefore you shall receive greater condemnation. And it's okay to pray, but they're making these long prayers just for show. You know, if we don't pray in private, then when we pray and in public, it don't even jive. So these people in public are making long prayers, but they don't have any kind of relationship with God in private. Verse 15, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel about on sand and sea to make one proselyte, and when you... When he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you. In other words, because they controlled people, because they did put burdens and yokes on people, they conformed them into their image instead of in the image of Christ. You know, in Romans 8, it says that everything works together for good to those that love the Lord, to the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he protested to become conformed to the image of his son. But the Pharisees, because of their expectations, because of their yokes, because of the burdens they put on men's backs, they conform people into their image. In other words, if you've got that spirit, you want everybody to be just like you and do exactly what you do. And it says you make him twice as much a son of hell as you do because he now has your image instead of the image of Christ. Matthew twenty three sixteen says, Woe to you blind guides who say whatsoever, whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold on the temple, he is obligated. In other words, you see, I have problems here. When I read this, I mean, I've read it many, many times. But when I read this, I thought, you know, this is a huge root to eye problems. I've come out of generations of religious people, and they all had eye problems. My grandparents, my mother, my father were almost blind when they died. And, boy, I got so much deliverance when I went through this the first time. And I encourage you on your own to go through this. Go through this. I'm going to lead you in repentance at the end of the show. But go through that and repent over each verse because that's what I've done, and I'm going to do it again. It says, what do you blind, what do you blind guides who say, whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing but whoever swears by the gold on the temple. You see, they were putting more... Um, more emphasis on the gold than they were the altar that sanctified the gold. They were greedy. Verse 17, you fools and blind men, which is, which is more important, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, that is nothing. But whoever swears by the offering upon it, he is obligated. In other words, they value the offering more than the altar. You blind men, which is more important, the offering on the altar or the, that sanctifies the offering? I think I've already read that. <clears throat> Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears both by the altar and by everything on it. And he who swears by the temple swears both by the temple and by him who dwells within it. And he who swears by heaven swears both by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin. Now, they they would tithe these spices and these herbs because they were very, um, very smelly. And so they wanted people to know what they were doing. But you have neglected the weightier prison 
provisions of the law. And, of course, the weightier provisions of the law is to love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and body, and your neighbors yourself. But they, they overlook that. It says you, you neglected the weightier provisions of the law, which was justice and mercy and faithfulness. These are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. They didn't love God with their whole heart. You know, God, Jesus said the whole, all of the commandments. You know, the Pharisees, they had to keep the letter of the law. But, but God says that you can, by loving the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your body, and your neighbor as yourself, you've kept all the commandments by doing that one thing. Verse 24, you blind guide who strains out at a gnat and swallows a camel. And, you know, I like, to, uh, I like to liken it to this. A person with a religious Pharisee spirit is nitpicking people 24-7. They never see the good in anybody. They always see the flaws. And in doing so, they're like gagging at a gnat, but they're swallowing a camel. And when I was studying this earlier, you know, if we are people that gag at a gnat and swallow a camel, that can be one of the routes to to um, weight problems in the spirit realm, we've been swallowing a camel. The Lord showed me this, something like this years ago when I had a ministry farm. And when I, when I got, when I bought that farm, I had, I planted 90 fruit trees and uh, the farm, we had all new spreads, all new furniture, all new everything. And the people that lived there, they trashed it out. And I found myself, uh, I remember I had just bought a new uh, filtering, a new uh, sprinkling system for the fruit trees. And somebody somebody mowed that, cut that line. line. And another, uh, someone else had given the ministry a vacuum cleaner and somebody else vacuumed the dirt with it. And, you know, I didn't say it, but inside I wanted to say, stupid. Anyway, I didn't say it, but God showed me that I had been eating people up spiritually. You know, it says in Galatians, you know, that we uh, we devour one another with our mouth. And I tell you, you may not believe this, but when I began repenting of that, I went down like two or three dress sizes because death and life are in the power of the tongue, and we can eat people up in the spirit realm with our mouth. And so if you're guilty of that, just be repenting. And, and, I, and I want to say this. The teachings that I teach basically have been God's messages to me. I mean, for years, I'm the one that gets delivered because God and other people are delivered too. But learning to, to live an overcoming life is as I ask God what the problem is and as you ask God what the problem is, he shows you what the problem is. And the whole seminars and the things I teach have really come out of what God's taught me when I've asked him, God, what are you trying to teach me through this? And there's another problem. If you grew up not having a daddy or mother that ever answered your questions, never told you anything good, then you need to forgive them for that because that makes you believe a lie that God isn't going to tell you anything good either. And so that would keep you from asking him and you'd be a fainter You'd want to give up and quit every time you had a problem rather than go into the throne of grace to be strengthened, confirmed, established, and perfected. Matthew twenty three twenty five. Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean outside the, of the cup 
and of the dish, but inside are full of robbery and self-indulgence. <clears throat> In other words, you make the outside look good, but inside you're full of self-indulgence. You're full of, um, and you rob God. You rob others. Verse 26, you blind Pharisees, first clean the outside of the cup and the dish so that the so that the inside I'm sorry, first cup first clean the inside of the dish. In other words, deal with your heart issues so that the outside of it may become clean. In other words, instead of going just dealing with the outside, not the inside, Jesus is saying, deal with your heart issues and then the outside's going to be clean. In fact, the glory of the Lord will be manifested in your life. Woe to you, scribes, and, I'm in verse 27. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs. On the outside appear beautiful, but inside they're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. And a person with a religious spirit, I'm not saying this is true in every case, but uh, I've known people that had a religious spirit, and when that was cast out, they had a body odor. I remember a lady, a little a lady a friend of mine brought a little old bag lady that she had got off the street to come live with her, and uh, they lived with me for a season. And the little old bag lady would, um, she would sit and pretend she was reading the Bible. She'd just move her mouth like, you know, you'd think she's reading. And uh, my friend wanted me to pray, said she's got a bad odor. And uh, I didn't know how to pray for her, but the Lord revealed this religious spirit. And when I cast the religious spirit out of this lady, the body odor left. You know, I think it's in 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians 1 or 2 Corinthians 1 or 2 that says that we're an aroma of life or we're a, an aroma of death. And so if I've got a religious Pharisee spirit and a body odor, then it can come from religious spirit. My son who died of AIDS in 1989, if, if he had been in a, in a line of 50 people and I would be blindfolded, I could find him by his body odor. And probably part of that was trying to please, uh, trying to please everybody and pretending that he was doing good when he really wasn't. Plus he was into sexual sin, which was an unclean thing. Verse 28 says, <clears throat> even so, you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So you see, hypocrite and lawlessness. Verse 29, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous. In other words, you put on a show that you really love them, but you don't. And say, if, it, if I'd been living in the days of your, our fathers, we would we would not have been partners with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. And, of course, they lied. They would have. Because a person with a religious spirit or a Pharisee spirit, basically, you know, it's tied in with Jezebel. And she hates the prophets to kill the prophets. I have people that are, uh, I, I know people that I'm associated with that have that spirit, and it's like I feel nothing but hate coming from them. But God calls us to keep on loving, doesn't he? Because love covers a multitude of sins. Matthew twenty three thirty one says, Consequently, you bear witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. 
In other words, you testify against yourself. Fill up the measure of the guilt of your fathers. I'm sorry, it says fill up then the measure of the guilt of your fathers. Verse 23, you serpents, your brood of vipers, you shall even escape, how shall you even escape the sentence of hell? And I can tell you, sometimes there's people come from ministry and they feel things crawling around inside of them, things moving around in their bodies. And I can tell you, one thing it could be is a nest of serpents. It could be water spirits, but it could be a nest of serpents because of a religious spirit. So the question is, do you feel things moving around in your body? Verse 34, therefore, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogue and persecute from city to city. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm sending godly people to give you the truth, but you want to kill them and scourge them. That upon you may fall the guilt of all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zacharias, the son of Berechonah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. And, you know, um, through this teaching, God has shown me that Cain had a religious spirit. Abel offered the offering that God required, and Cain figured it out himself and offered what he wanted, and God rejected him. And because of that, he was angry because he was rejected, and he went out and killed Abel. And the blood of Abel was crying out from the ground. Verse 36, truly I say to you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets. And stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your, gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you were unwilling. If you ever, you know, I live in the country and I have chickens. And if you've ever watched a mother chicken, I mean, don't try to take her babies from her. And the babies, sometimes when the mother is sitting on the eggs, You'll hear the babies chirp, but you don't see them, or they'll poke their little heads out from under the wing. But a mother hen guards her babies and protects her babies. In fact, you don't want to make a mother hen mad. And so God says, says, I want to gather you just like a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you wouldn't listen. Verse 38, behold, your house is being left to you desolate. And the word desolate means waste uh it means laid waste it means wasted deserted uninhabited devastated lonely deprived having the feeling of being abandoned by your friends or being abandoned by hope forlorn dismal gloomy destitute so you see the consequences of having a pharisee religious spirit verse 39 for i say to you from now on you shall not see me until you say blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord you see these people 
that Jesus sent to them to give them the truth. They wanted to kill, crucify, scourge in their temples. And so Jesus said, you're not going to see me till you say blessed are those who come in the name of the Lord. And so you've just had maybe um, a glimpse of some of the fruit of the life of a Pharisee. And the question is, do you see yourself as a Pharisee or are you the publican? The chief characteristic of a false religion is hypocrisy, giving God, just giving God lip service, just being a pretender, wearing a mask is what a hypocrite means, to wear a mask. The chief characteristic of an attribute of a true child of God or true religion is love, holiness, and purity of life. And I encourage you to read uh, John eight thirty one through the end, and I'm not going to read it because I should have put it in my notes but I just have the reference and um, because I'm I don't have it in my notes and so I'm just going to tell you what it says or partially what it says but I encourage you to read it but um, Jesus was speaking this to those Jews who had believed in him in other words these Jews were believers that in Jesus and Jesus the Messiah but he said Um, If you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they begin arguing with him. Well, we're not, we've never been a slave to anybody, which showed you right there that they weren't truly born again. In John, John chapter two, Jesus, it says that many were believing in his name, but Jesus wasn't giving himself to them because he knew their heart. But these were Jews that believed and they begin to argue with him. We're not in, we're not enslaved. And he said that, Jesus was basically telling them they were they were slaves, and then he went on and said they didn't hear him because they weren't of him, and that uh, they were of of the father the devil. And he said, if you are, if you're <coughs> Abraham's offspring, then do the deeds of Abraham. In other words, live a live a, a godly life. And some of the other manifestations of religious spirit is fear. First John three twenty one says, "If your conscience is clear, you have confidence before God." John four seventeen eighteen says, "There's no fear in love, but love covers a multitude of sin." And these Pharisees don't love anybody <coughs> except their idols. Legalism, which is another way, for, a word of for saying uh, religious spirit. Sometimes people want to teach that legalism is obeying God. Actually, legalism is disobedience to God. Like if you if you use the potter's wheel as an example, if a person is trying to turn the potter's wheel, they're in rebellion for whatever reason. Either it's either subtle rebellion, maybe or you know they can be willfully rebellious. No, I'm not going to yield to God. Or they can be subtly rebellious, you know, thinking that's what God wanted them to do is to turn the potter's wheel because they grew up being performance oriented. But that's really legalism is disobedience to God. Abiding in Christ is to be under God's authority and be on the potter's wheel. <clears throat> in fact, God says, whoever abides in him does not sin. So the only time we're not sinning is when we're yielded to God. Also, performance and perfectionism that comes in through childhood being loved based on your performance. Another thing, thinking that you have to do certain things to be holy is another uh, characteristic of a religious spirit. Having a critical, judgmental uh, spirit, a nitpicker, nitpick others. 
having an exacting spirit, being commanding and demanding and compelling and controlling and requiring uh, requiring others to do what you think without pity or justice. Uh, dead works. Galatians 3, 2 says, are you so foolish? Galatians, having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the works of the flesh? For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, curses everyone who does not abide by all things written in this book of the law to perform them. And the law is fulfilled when we walk in love. Verse 11 says, now that no one is justified by the law for for God is evident for the righteous man shall live by faith. A person with a religious spirit has another gospel. Galatians 1, 6 says, I'm amazed that you so quickly are deserting him who called you by his, by the grace, grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even though we are an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we believed, preached, let him be accursed. So there's a curse on us with a religious spirit. Gospel of works. God says, by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. You know, when you yield to the potter, you know, God says, be holy as he's holy, be perfect as he's perfect. Well, you and I have a problem because we're not holy and we're not perfect. And in the Old Testament, God wouldn't take a sacrifice if it was impure or blind or not uh, unclean. But when, you know, our part is to yield to the altar, to get up on God's altar, which is the potter's wheel. And then the, the blood that spills out on the offering is the precious blood of Jesus. And God looks down and he didn't see our clay full of junk. He sees uh, the blood of Jesus. And he looks at our heart, not on our outward stuff. And that's what it means to be holy as he's holy, perfect as he's perfect. But people that are legalistic and who are performers and who have a religious spirit or Pharisees, they think that to be holy, to be righteous, they have to do it themselves. Now, it can be an ignorance they think it or they can willfully think it. Also, a person that has a Pharisee religious spirit is lawless and rebellious. We read that in Matthew 23. They're, hypocr- they're hypocrites. They, wa- they wear a mask. Um, they offer up religious prayers but have no personal prayer life. Uh, they give alms for show. They want people to know what they give. <laughs> uh, they, they fast and they tell everybody what they did. God says when you fast, you know, don't put, you know, don't um, put on a happy face. Negativity, have a mean, vicious mouth, hostile, contention, strife. They believed in God, but they didn't believe in Jesus. And some of them did believe in Jesus. Those were the Jews in in uh, John 8 that were had received Jesus. Um, they're easily offended won't take a correction. You know, they told uh, the, the disciples, you can teach, but you can't teach in the name of Jesus. They were easily offended. 
And for us to receive the deliverance, we really have to have a revelation of the potter's wheel. And I believe that God gave it today as I was sharing about the potter's wheel. God doesn't want you trying to fix yourself. He wants you to yield to him because he's the one that's the potter and you're just the clay. And so glory to God. So Lord, I ask you in Jesus' name to give every person a revelation of the potter's wheel. I pray that all of that will soak in, Lord. Thank you that we don't have to do it ourselves. Thank you that you just want one thing from us, and that's to yield to you, that you're the potter. In Jesus' name. And I'm going to lead you in repentance of a religious spirit. Father, in Jesus' name, and pray with me if you're listening to this message. Father, I forgive my mother, father, and forefathers for having a Pharisee religious spirit. I forgive them for being blind guides. Lord, I forgive them for uh, expectations. I forgive them for um, their legalism performance. I forgive them for... um, teaching me that the only way I could receive love was to be to perform. And God, I renounce the lie that you want me to perform. And Lord, this day I take my junky clay and I yield to you, the potter. I get on the potter's wheel. And Lord, when I fall off, I confess my sins, get back on. And Lord, forgive me for, for not seeing you as the God of all gods, the King of all Kings. Forgive me for having my religious doctrine, having a form of religion and denying the power of it. Forgive me for advocating a different gospel other than the sound words of the gospel of the sound words of Jesus, which is the doctrine of repentance. Lord, forgive me for being conceding and understanding nothing and having a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words. Forgive me for envy and strife and abusive language and evil suspicion. Father, forgive me for constant friction. Forgive me for having a depraved mind and being deprived of the truth. Thank you for the truth that sets me free. Father, forgive me for thinking that godliness is a means of great gain. Forgive me for not having contentment. Forgive me for not fixing my eyes upon you, Lord, so that you can keep me in perfect peace. Father, in Jesus' name, Forgive me for thinking that I've been religious and not babbling my tongue but deceiving my own heart. Forgive me for having a worthless religion. Forgive me for not practicing a pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God the Father and and visiting orphans and widows in their distress. And forgive me for allowing the world to stain me. God, forgive me for making an idol out of my routine. Forgive me for not seeking you every day as to what I need to do. Lord, I just want to choose to die to myself, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Forgive me for being a Pharisee. Forgive me for pretending. Forgive me for wearing a mask. Forgive me for not letting people see who the real me is. God, forgive me for... um, Just going through the motions. God, I just ask you to forgive me for throwing my pearls before swine. Forgive me for not preaching the gospel and healing the sick. Lord, I don't have to be a minister to do that. You said I'm a living epistle, ambassador of Christ. Forgive me for not healing the sick and raising the dead and cleansing the, the lepers and casting out demons. Lord, thank you that um, I submit myself to you and resist the devil and he has to flee. Forgive me, Lord, for being this Pharisee. 
forgive me for being just like the Pharisee, trusting in myself, praying to myself, uh, trusting in myself that I'm righteous instead of knowing that, Lord, I'd be righteous because of what you did for me at Calvary. Forgive me for self-righteousness, self-contempt, having contempt of others. Lord, forgive me for self-justification. Forgive me for selfishness. Forgive me for being prideful and arrogant and boastful, haughty. Forgive me for being a swindler, unjust. Uh, Forgive me for being an adulterer. God, I ask you to forgive me for not, forgive me for not having a prayer life. Forgive me, Lord, for uh, not doing the good things that I do. uh, Forgive me for not doing those good things, Lord, for the wrong reason. Forgive me for not doing those things because I love you, not praying and tithing and reading my Bible because I love you, not because I'm trying to make myself righteous. Forgive me for the pride, Lord. Forgive me, Lord, for um, being a lover of self, lover of money, boastful, arrogant. Forgive me for being a reviler, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving. Forgive me for being just like Cain. Uh, Forgive me for murdering my brother and sister through our words. Forgive me for being uh, irreconcilable. Forgive me for holding unforgiveness, being malicious gossip. Forgive me for lacking self-control. Forgive me for being treacherous, reckless, conceited, a lover of pleasure rather than a lover of God. Forgive me for just having a form of godliness and denying the power inherent in repentance. Forgive me for always learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth, Lord, because I haven't worked out my salvation with fear and trembling. In Jesus' name, forgive me for not staying submitted. Forgive me for falling off the potter's wheel and not getting back on. Forgive me for idolatry. Forgive me for loving my children more than I've loved you, Lord. Forgive me for putting my children before I put you, Lord. Forgive me for being just like Eli, not confronting sin. You know, if you're a person like me that's confronted sin a lot of times, then there may be a time when you have to be quiet because they don't listen anymore. Because, you know, you... You know, I don't have to say anything, and they know what I'm thinking. So, anyway, there, Lord, just direct us to know what we need to say and what we need not to say. I don't want your glory to to depart from me. God, forgive me for wanting the best seat. Forgive me for wanting to be honored, Lord, above you. Forgive me for doing what I think is right in my eyes instead of what your word says. Forgive me for putting heavy burdens on other people's backs, on their shoulders, on their necks. Forgive me for putting my yoke on other people's necks. I forgive every person that's put heavy loads and burdens on my back and yokes on my neck. Lord, I just uh, thank you that there's only one yoke you want me to wear, and it's the yoke of Jesus. It's light and easy, and I find rest for my soul. Forgive me for doing all my deeds to be noticed by men and women instead of uh, caring what you think, Lord. Forgive me for being full of myself. Forgive me for wanting to be honored above you, wanting a place that's only reserved for you. 
Forgive me for not being willing to be a servant. Forgive me for wanting to be served. Forgive me for exalting myself above you, Lord. Lord, I ask you to break this curse. Uh, Forgive me for being a hypocrite. Forgive me for taking advantage of the widows and the orphans and uh, praying prayers that uh, because I just want to be seen. Forgive me for not having a private prayer time. Forgive me for letting other people control me and forgive me for controlling other people, making them twice as much a sin in hell as I am. Forgive me for being a blind guide. Lord, you said when the blind lead the blind, they all fall in the ditch. Forgive me for being a blind fool. Forgive me for valuing the offering over the altar. Forgive me for not having any interest in repentance, deliverance. Forgive me for fearing man more than I fear you. Forgive me for wanting people to notice what I tithe. Forgive me for gagging at a gnat and swallowing a camel. I ask you to take that camel spirit out of me that I have swallowed numerous times. Forgive me for swallowing up others, biting and devouring one another, other people, chewing people up with my mouth. Lord, I spit them all out and break soul ties with every person that I have I've bitten and devoured, all the people that uh, I've swallowed, the camels I've swallowed. I break soul ties with all of them. I cut and sever all, all the control of those spirits in Jesus' name. Forgive me for making the outside looking, look good but not dealing with my heart issues. Forgive me for being full of self-indulgence and robbing others. God, I ask you to forgive me for dressing up the carton but not dealing with the heart. Forgive me for being a pretender. Forgive me for being rebellious. Forgive me for putting on a holy show. Forgive me for killing the prophets and the priests. Forgive me for having a Jezebel spirit. I forgive those that have killed me. Or tried to kill me. Lord, forgive me for testifying against myself that I would have been a person that would have killed the prophet. Lord, I forgive my forefathers for having this religious Pharisee spirit that's come down on me generationally. I break generational curses, soul tie curses, cultural curses. Lord, I ask you to take out all the serpents, the nest of scorpions, the nest of serpents that have been in me because of a religious spirit. Everything that's moving around in my body, I command you to go now in Jesus' name. Forgive me for not being teachable when you've sent godly people to tell me the truth. Forgive me for rejecting truth and building walls against other people. I forgive everyone who's built walls against me when I've tried to tell them the truth. Forgive me for shedding the blood of the righteous, Lord, through teaching wrong doctrines. The 
Lord, I just pray you'll forgive me for being unwilling for you to gather me like a mother hen gathers her chicks. Lord, I ask you to gather me now. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to move upon every life and gather them in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask you to remove the desolation that's caused them to be laid waste, wasted, deserted. I command all these spirits of being wasted, deserted, uh, unbalanced, stated, lonely, <coughs> deprived of, uh, or have of having a feeling of like I've been abandoned and have lost all hope. Forgive me for being forlorn, dismal, gloomy, destitute. I command all those spirits of desolation to leave each person who's listening in right now and praying these prayers with me. And, Lord, I want to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Forgive me for not loving you with my whole heart, Lord, my soul, my body, my spirit, and my neighbor as myself. Forgive me for not abiding in your word so that I know the truth and the truth would set me free. Forgive me for fear, <coughs> legalism. Trying to turn the potter's wheel. Forgive me for being a performance-oriented person, for perfectionism. I just tear down every lie that I believe that I I have to do all these things to be holy when you only call me one to do one thing, and that's yield to you, the potter. Forgive me for having a critical spirit, a judgmental spirit, and nitpicking others. And I forgive others that have criticized me, judged, judged me, and nitpicked me. Forgive me for having an exacting spirit, <clears throat> being commanding and demanding and complaining and <clears throat> requiring other people to do things without pity or justice. Forgive me for dead works. Forgive me for thinking I have to perfect myself by the spirit. Remove the curse that's come on me through trusting in man, trusting in myself. Forgive me for not living by faith. I renounce a different gospel, any gospel other than the gospel conforming me to godliness. I renounce. Forgive me for being lawless and rebellious. Forgive me for hypocrisy. God, forgive me for doing things for show. Forgive me for being negative, mean, vicious, hateful, mouth, hostile, putting up walls against people. Forgive me for rejecting you, Lord Jesus, as the Messiah. Forgive me for being easily offended. Lord, I just thank you for the revelation of the potter's wheel. I yield to you. Thank you that I don't have to do anything but stay yielded to you. Thank you, Lord, that when I fall off the potter's wheel through sin, I confess my sin. You're faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And I get back on the potter's wheel. And, Lord, thank you that I'll fall off less and less. And, God, in Jesus' name, I yield my junky clay to you. Thank you that it's your job to take out the junk. It's your job to fashion me to be what you created me to be. Thank you, Lord, that you don't want me to turn the potter's wheel. I've been wore out trying to fix myself. And this day, Lord, 
May the 2nd, 2018, I give up my life that I might find it. I present my body to you, Lord, as a living sacrifice. I offer up to you my members as instruments of righteousness. I give you my will that your will might prevail. Thank you, Lord, that you require one thing of me, and that's to stay yielded, and you do everything else. Thank you and praise you, Lord, for your goodness, for your mercy to me. In Jesus' name. Now, in the name of Jesus, I just forgive every person that in my life that's been a Pharisee that has nitpicked me, criticized me, judged me, wanted to kill me, resented me, rejected me, put a wall up against me. And, Lord, forgive me for doing other people the same way. I break soul ties with all these people that I've controlled. Forgive me for trying to control my husband, my wife, my family. Forgive me for making, trying to make them twice as much a son of hell as I am. And God, in Jesus' name, I cut all soul ties. I call back my soul and spirit from every person, and I send back their souls and spirits to them. I exchange their image for the image of Christ. And, Lord, I come under the yoke of Jesus that's light and easy. And you said, I'll find rest for my soul, for your burden is light and your load is easy. Now, in the name of Jesus, I command every spirit to leave every person that I'm, every person that's listening to my voice. I command every evil spirit to go. All Pharisee spirits, religious spirits, blindness has to go. I command all spirits of desolation has to go. All curses are broken. I command all lies that I have to perform, perfectionism, performance, you have to go. Fear of man, you have to go. All spirits that have come in through witchcraft control, Jezebel spirits, Ahab spirits, you have to leave every person in the name, power, blood, and authority of Jesus. I command pride, self-righteousness. I command the, the, the serpent spirits, the den of, of uh, serpents, uh, the nest of serpents, the nest of vipers to come out of them now in the name of Jesus. All spirits of Python, Jezebel, Dagon, uh, Leviathan, all water spirits, I command you out of each person in the name of Jesus. I command a critical spirit, a judgmental heart. I command arrogance and haughtiness to leave every life in the name of Jesus. I command every lie that we have to do it ourselves, that we have to turn the potter. Command every lying spirit to go in the name of Jesus. All spirits of haughtiness has to go in Jesus' name. All spirits of hatred, variant, strife, emulation has to go. Every deceiving spirit, lying spirit, I command the spirit of Satan to leave him now in Jesus' name. I bind the strong man over every life and I spoil his goods. And I command every spirit to leave every person listening to this message now in Jesus' name. You have to go now in the mighty name of Jesus. I break your power in Jesus' name. I take a deep breath and blow out. In Jesus' name, many of you were delivered just as you were repenting. You know, all deliverance is, is James 4, 7. Submit yourself to God and resist the devil and he'll flee. And as you were repenting, things were coming off. In Jesus' name. And it's a walk, a continual daily walk of lining yourself up with the word of God. And it takes dying to my flesh to continue to line up with what God wants in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, every spirit that would not confess Jesus Christ as Lord, that came in through everything they've confessed has to go now in Jesus' name. Now pray with me. Lord, fill me with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control in Jesus' name. I choose death to my life that I might find it. Now if anybody wants prayer, you can call in and you can call 646-595-4784 and don't forget to press 1. 
And I'm just going to share a little bit about the ministry and that if no one calls in, then we'll be through. But if somebody wants prayer, be sure and call in. You don't have to give your name. Sometimes people think, well, I don't want my name on national radio going worldwide. But you don't have to give your name. God knows who you are. Thank God he knows who we are. And so I hope you'll listen in again the first and third Tuesdays of each month. If you'll go to my website, jerrymcgee.com, and that's all lowercase, G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E.com, you can sign up for my email um, list. I mean, my, I send out daily, I send out flyers, and I, I like to send out daily thoughts of encouragement, but I haven't done that in a while. But I try not to load you up with stuff. But if you'll sign up, then you'll get future notices. And uh, you can, uh, I have a Duncanville meeting. The first, it's the first, Duncanville, Texas. Duncanville borders Dallas on the south side off of Interstate 20. You take Interstate 20 from Dallas around toward like you're going toward Fort Worth and take exit 462 which is Main Street exit you'll see a hotel on the left if you're coming from East Texas you'll see a hotel on the left called Garden Inn Hilton Garden Inns if you're coming from Arlington or um, from Fort Worth area but it'll be on the right you take exit 462 which is Main Street exit when you go into the hotel and it's the first Saturday of each month and the next one is next Saturday, May the 5th, 2018. When you go through the front uh, front of the hotel, go to the right of the front desk and go all the way to the end of the hall, and our little, our little room is on the right. We have a small group meeting there, but you get more attention when there's a small group. It's free. We don't charge for what God does. We do take up a love offering to help meet our needs, but that's not um, the optional thing if God leaves you. But... Um, you be sure and email me if, if God does something in your life. I love to hear it because it encourages to go on. We love to te- we love to hear the testimonies of all the things that God did. And so, um, if you'd like a if you'd like a meeting scheduled in your area, you can email me at Jerry McGee G E R I M C G H E E at S like Sam B like boy. See like cat global dot net. Uh, I like to hear what God's done. If you would like a meeting scheduled in your area, then just give me a call. Hope you'll listen again and invite people to listen. I'll be at Lake Hamilton Bible Camp uh, May the twenty fourth through the twenty seventh, and we have prayer teams that pray for each person every morning. We have a great prayer team that uh, really. Uh, they love the God with their whole heart. And we pray for people from 6 to 8 o'clock, sometimes 9 o'clock, sometimes even later than that. And you can get prayer every day, and it's very inexpensive to go. If you're interested, you can go to LakeHamiltonBibleCamp.com. It's in Hot Springs, Arkansas. It's very inexpensive to go, and I encourage you to go. If you can't come to this camp, we meet every holiday. We're at Lake Hamilton Bible Camp. And on my website, there's a place where you can give an offering if you'd like. Uh, there's also a place where you can sign up for your, my email address. There's also free uh, articles that you can print out. There's free CDs to listen to. In fact, we're working on our website. We're trying to improve it. Um, 
we signed up for a new website and it looks great, but we can't add anything to it because of it being done incorrectly to start with. And so we're working on uh, building a new one. But anyway, it still works. Uh, you can see my son's testimony uh, called Todd's Greatest Regret that was made th- 13 days before he died of AIDS. And uh, it's his testimony of how Jesus set him free. Regardless of what problem you have, Jesus wants to set you free. That's why he came. He said he came to give you life and live it, give it more abundantly. And if you're not living an abundant life, it's because of sin. And that's not to condemn you because we all have sin. We're all a work in progress. And no one will condemn you. Jesus said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. And so call upon him. And so um, also I encourage you uh, on my website, there's a booklet called Clearing the Land, Preparing for Deliverance. That, in that little booklet, you can go through that book. It lists all the Bible curses, um, and, it, and it shows you how to pray off those things. But uh, I encourage you to, to get that. And also there's one called um, Drunkenness, Is It a Blessing, a Curse? I had someone in, in uh, Louisiana tell me I need to promote that because it's the church is is being saturated with a drunkenness movement, and it's really a judgment from God. It's not a blessing. But in the book, it, it's called uh, bless. It's called drunkenness. Is it a blessing or curse? And through in that book, I, I list all the scriptures that talk about drunk, drunken, drunkenness, sober, alert, and to show you, there's not one scripture that uh, says we're supposed to be drunk. In fact, it says in Galatians 5:22, um, the fruit of the spirit is self-control, and in Galatians 5:19, it lists it lists drunkenness. Uh, it says if we practice drunkenness, we'll not inherit the kingdom of God. Balaam also says that we're to be sober for the purpose of prayer. Well, God bless you, and um, may the Lord bless you and keep you, and make he make may He make His face shine upon you in a greater way. I love you, but Jesus loves you more.